Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Craig Bowler Jack is going to join us coming up here momentarily. Always look forward to chatting with Bowler on uh, Tuesdays. We'll get his thoughts on what's going on uh, with the Jazz and what's going on with the defense. Gordon, of course, that's been a, a hot topic, uh, not only on this show, but across the station. they got to figure out that perimeter D. Yep, there is no doubt about that. And there's all kinds of different ideas about how they can get it done. But if you're going to stay with the same personnel, obviously it's schematic, but it's also attitudinal, I think. These guys have to get it in their minds that they got to give it their all at that end. Because I think there's almost, when you have a guy like Rudy Gobert, who is sometimes behind you, wouldn't you be in your mind like, okay, well, sometimes I'm supposed to funnel my man toward him, uh, just sort of guide him along, you know? And they got to be they got to be hungrier than that. they got to play better team defense yeah. is what they've got to do. And when Rudy helps, which inevitably he's going to do, because you know what? Damian Lillard is going to beat Joe Ingles. Yep. Then you got to help Rudy. I mean, yes. it's got to be that team where you can't just give up an automatic layup to either Damian Lillard or Hassan Whiteside. I mean, he, it has to be team defense. He needs help from Rudy, and Rudy needs help because he's just abandoned his man, his responsibility. And sometimes Rudy's a little hesitant to do that, but if he has to do it to, for the good of his team, then somebody better rotate over to take care of Rudy's man. All right, uh, let's get out to the Sprint special guest line. Lisa's Lisa, any, pet name for me is Bowler. Lisa, any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for ninety nine uh, ninety nine. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. He is Craig Bowler, Jack Bowler. Are you still riding high from the Chiefs win? Oh, yeah. You know, I, I tell you, I was a little guy when it all happened back in 1970. I mean, that really dates me. I get it. But 50 years and... Super Bowl 54, Super Bowl 4, Joe Cap, uh, Lynn Dawson, um, and the Chiefs win their first Super Bowl after uh, losing to Lombardi and the Packers in Super Bowl 1. Come on, man. you got to admit, that is a long, long wait. Would you not agree? 50 years. I mean, that's generational. Come on. Yeah, I'm that's, riding high. Yeah, it's a long time, Bowler. And uh, you had to like the way they came back. They've been doing it the whole postseason. It was exciting to see. It was. The final seven minutes of that game, the Chiefs just came alive. They did. You know, Gordon, I tell you, I don't know what it is. You can't – and you always say, you know, each game you just can't depend on, you know, making these miraculous comebacks. But in this playoff series for Kansas City, it was it was an amazing thing. Very cool and calm. Uh, there was no panic. Um, but I'll be honest, I thought the 49ers played a terrific football game, a really tenacious D. Uh, and then all of a sudden, a couple of, um, you know, quirks, a couple of turnovers. I mean, Mahomes had gotten picked twice. And then, you know, they just got a drive and they made the big play. And then all of a sudden, you saw the Niners almost kind of say, oh, golly, not again, uh, the way the Chiefs have been playing all postseason. So it was great. Yeah, that seven minute, that last seven minutes was, um, kind of Kansas City Chief football, kind of kind of the way they played all year long. And I guess you tip your hat to Mahomes, who has that, you know, comeback ability, and he just stays cool and calm for such a young guy. It's, it's an amazing thing. So, uh, it's rare. It's rare to have that. Let me ask you this in the context of the Jazz. 
we oftentimes wonder, uh, speculate about what it would be like if the Jazz won an NBA title and how the city would oh. respond to that. Oh, my gosh. How did, how, how did Kansas City, I mean, you're very familiar with that area. How do you oh, yeah. think they responded to it? Uh, what did it mean? Well, man, everything. I mean, again, it's a generational thing. You, you pass the Chiefs legacy down to the next guy or the next, you know, your daughter or, or whomever. Um, uh, you know, I got a lot of friends back in Kansas City uh, from from our K-State days, and I, that's where I grew up, and I went to every Chiefs game I could uh, up until the time I, I went to college. And uh, the bottom line is it's the same. I, I really do feel a similarity between what this city, the Salt, Salt Lake City, and what Kansas City is all about. And by the way, that's Kansas and Missouri, okay? It's, <laughs> it's, both, it's both sides. Because the, the love affair with that team is very deep, and uh, it, it's 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 something that I hope that this city, Salt Lake City, can experience one day. Because look, ninety seven and ninety eight, it's almost like become a generational thing. Like BYU's national championship in eighty four, uh, that's a long time ago. And eighty seven, or excuse me, seven, uh, 87, 97 and ninety eight. Are, are are beginning the the years are creep, creeping away right with a new generation of jazz players so i think that that need desire and want is very much there uh with the the likes of you know quinn and and what uh, rudy and donovan bring and all the others so i know kansas city's been on fire not literally but emotionally for three days and the parade is tomorrow and i i, I it's just something i think you know, cities need to experience, and it, it is the coming together of it doesn't matter what side of the fence you, you sit on, and it doesn't matter religion or red or blue. Uh, it's just it's just an amazing thing, and, and Kansas City is will obviously be as one, uh, and they have been for the last few days. It's amazing what a sports team guys can actually do uh, to a city, to a to a, a to an area. A demographic region, and I think the Jazz would just this this city would go crazy, right? I mean, Main Street, wherever they decide to go, take it all the way Main Street, you know, uh, State Street, take it down to to St. George if you want. But I think it'd be crazy, and it'd be fun to be a part of. It, it really would. Greg Bowler, Jack, with us here on ninety-seven five and twelve eighty, the Zone, switching gears to the Jazz Bowler. What? And I want to leave this this question kind of broad and open-ended to take you. Uh, you can take it where you want to go. But what have you seen these past four games during this losing streak? What are you taking from this? Well, I see space defensively for one, and that means you're not playing, you know, belt high or in the, you know, you're you're just not attacking your opponent uh, defensively as as much as the Jazz were before. That's number one. Number two, I think again you have to look at the the way that the Jazz had won against you know the the sub five hundred part teams, and now you're taking on teams that you're going to have to go through honestly to win a Western Conference championship, and so that's what's unsettling. Um, and again, what's coming ahead is no easier. You got Denver tomorrow night, Portland uh, the day after, and then we hit the road for a back to back against Houston, Dallas, and end with Miami. By the way, who's no uh, is, that's not a soft game whatsoever coming out of the East before the All-Star break. So I think that's concerning because of the teams you're playing and you had an incredible run and it was it was perfection, honestly. It was def- defense and offensive perfection during during the run for the Jazz over those 21 games. And, you know, you had two guys. I, I Gordon, you know, goes for 50 and the other night you get the 51-point game. And uh, from um, from Damian, and I guess the thing for me is guard play 
has always been kind of an issue for the Jazz in the sense of guys who get off and are able to score in just in, in masses. And I think that's the one thing about defense is if you give them some space and if you don't rotate, I heard Gordon say before, before I came on, is that, you know, Rudy, Rudy is obviously the centerpiece of all this, but he can't do it alone. And so you, you have to rotate, you have to get physical, you have to body up people, and you, you can't, you have to cut the space down between when they take a shot and show them a hand and come out to them and actually be on them. You got to make it more difficult. And I think Quinn would echo those those words. I'm sure, you know that's that's been you know the um, the rallying cry, and but you're playing at a higher level teams, and and people will say, well, look, we got through what we had to. Yeah, the this, the Jazz haven't changed that much. I think that the fact is you have to just still have to work at it on a consistent basis. The error for um, is so small for this team. You have to rotate. You have to communicate. And you have to really get into guys, let's be honest, jocks, to, to get the job done. And that's not happened of late. And also teams have been hot. They're, hit, they're shooting shots and making them. And I don't know if that's an anomaly. We're going to find out because we get a second rotation with Denver and Portland coming up at home. And I'm, I'm really anxious to see how the Jazz uh, recover uh, from the last four games uh, to go up against these next two opponents. So, Bowler, you don't think the Jazz are physically uh... – not able to stay with these players who are scoring on them, or do you, uh, how do you? Uh, are they physically gifted enough? Are they athletic enough? Uh, or as Jake has pointed out, are they tall enough? Uh, in the yeah. case of a Mike, no, I'd say that's a legit question. I think they're they're able, but you know what size does come into play here? Look, when you put Conley back as a starter, he's a six footer, about one hundred and seventy five pounds. The Eric Gordons and the Westbrooks of the world are a much more bully type of basketball player. And that comes into play in this whole equation. Totally. I, I get it. Um, and so also with the rotation the way it is, and again, look, you can start a player or whomever finishes. I know Quinn likes to say it's it's how the game finishes and who's on the floor, and he doesn't put a lot of stock into starters. But, you know, Royce O'Neal is your stopper defensively. He doesn't give you much of an offensive punch. Uh, you know, he does have three point that three point range, but at the same time, bringing it off the bench uh, with Jordan Clarkson intrigues me. But again, it's the transition of getting Mike back in as a starter. And that's tough to do more than halfway through the season, guys. Let's be honest. Uh, the Jazz were rolling the way they were with the starting five they had. Mike is part of what they want to do and what they plan to do to get this team to the top. And so. I think, you know, reading Twitter and all the social media stuff, I get it. Um, you know, the Jazz were on a roll, and then you have to, you know, reintegrate another player back into the starting five. It's not, it's not easy to do. But that's what the Jazz are going to do. That's what they want to do. And until it proves that they can't do it, then that's the way it's, you know, that's, I think that's what they're going to do going forward here. But um, defense is number one. That's what Quinn built this foundation on in the Jazz but Rudy, again, as I go back, he can't do it by himself. There's got to be somebody who can rotate and help. Uh, he's out on perimeter. A lot of guys on big guys like tomorrow night against, uh, uh, against the Joker. The guy loves shooting the three. So they've got to be aware of, of help defense and making sure that any back cuts that Rudy's covered. And that's a difficult thing to do because I think, again, uh, Rudy is so good at what he does. 
that sometimes they forget that he's not he's not there. He won't be there to help them. They have to help themselves, and they've got to help him as well. I know that's kind of a long-winded comment, but there are so many factors here, guys. I think, and you know, you can break it down all day, all night, but. Uh, hopefully the Jazz figure this thing out over the last two days. It's good to have practice before you start this uh, final five game uh, stretch to the uh, to the All Star break. What do you think's going on with Joe Ingles, Bowler? Everybody kind of blamed it on him coming off the bench at the beginning part of the year, and mm-hmm. lately he hasn't. He's been struggling again. Well, here, here's my take. Okay, um, let's just break down the Blazer game real quick because when Conley and Donovan they they go 41 shots between the two guards. And then you go Bogdanovich with 11. There's only so many shots to hand out in that starting lineup. And Clarkson is pretty uh, a high-volume shooter when he comes off the bench as well. So I think Joe is kind of left in a lurch of, of really trying to work his own shots, develop, you know, working for his own own look. It was kind of like what Hornacek had to do in, in the old days with Jerry. And even Harpering, you know, didn't coming off the curl. I mean, those, those shots... Uh, mostly were Malone, Stockton, and, and and just, you know, it was more of a power offense at the time. This is more of a finesse offense. And so I think Joe just is a guy who distributes more, particularly now with Mike in the starting five, because he demands the shots, as does Donovan, as, as does Bogdanovich. So when he's off the floor, Clarkson gets his looks, and Joe's kind of sat there to take in, what do you take, two shots against the Blazers? He had yeah. five assists, which is what his season average is. So I think it's the fact that just not a lot of balls, not a lot of touches are coming his way. Um, and, you know, he and Gobert have a really good combination. Uh, and Rudy also, I think, uh, probably is going to have to adjust down this stretch as well of, you know, getting some plays at the rim and uh, getting what he does best, and that's you know putting the ball in the rim and, and dunking it home. So it's a work in progress. I hate to say it, but I think it is when you try to you know work another starter back into the lineup of Mike Conley's stature, and uh, I think everyone has to adjust, and it's not easy to do. Yeah, well, that's a great question because is there a way the Jazz can share the ball and take better shots uh, and not – necessarily have to give, say, Bogdanovich a certain number of shots? I mean, if Joe has a better shot and it limits the number of times Bogdanovich can fire one up, is is that a positive, or do these guys have to get in a rhythm? Yeah, I think it's rhythm, but also look what the Jazz did during the, the incredible run, Gordo. I mean, they passed the ball crisply and confidently, and they gave up shots to get better shots. And sometimes I was going, wow, you got a little open, you know, twelve foot look, and but you go corner three, and you know whether that was to George Niang or to Jordan Clarkson or to Donovan Mitchell or Bogdanovich, Joe is kind of the head of the snake of that. To be honest, when I look back at it, and he also helped, I thought Rudy take his game to an incredible level as well offensively, and Rudy's doing his own thing on the defensive end and rebounding, but Joe's really the facilitator for Rudy, so it's 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 going to be interesting. I'm I'm really. Uh, anxious to see how the Jazz adjust, adapt to Mike and what they're going to do tomorrow night against teams again that you have to beat. Denver, Portland, Houston, Dallas, Miami. Uh, We're kind of halfway through that 10-game stretch, and so far the Jazz have struggled uh, with those those teams, and they've given up big games to Gordon from Houston and uh, Lillard from Portland, and uh, it's hard to counter guys who are going 50-plus, right? I mean, Donovan can only do so much. He had an off night uh, prior to the uh, uh, Blazer game, or excuse me, yeah, the Blazer game. Uh, so I, it, it's 
I hate to say it because jazz fans don't want to hear it, but it is a work in progress. Uh, again, when you try to implement another high-level starter into your lineup when missing you know, those 14 games with a hamstring, and then teams, you know, the way that they're defending the Jazz as well, that comes into play in, in, in the whole game plan too. Bowler, before we let you go, we've been we've been teasing Gordon a little bit for wearing a lot of green today, and uh-huh. I wish you were in studio to let yeah. you in on the joke. But just to kind of describe what's going on here, have you ever seen? Uh, you remember the Great Gazoo from the Flintstones? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, one of my favorites. He's got a little bit of that going on. A lot of a lot of green. Really? Does he have like a space helmet on too? I mean, no, 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 no. It, it could. It's a green hat though, <laughs> like the great kazoo would wear. It's a master's hat. It's green. Oh, a master's hat. So, uh, describe, Gordo. Is it a sweatshirt or a? Uh, it's a sweatshirt. It's a sweatshirt. Yeah. Sweatshirt on green. And I'm really regretting wearing it, but I love this sweatshirt because it's so comfortable. But the green hat with the green sweatshirt seems to have freaked everybody out around here. Has it, hey, hey, Jake, has it made his skin kind of look green as well? <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, there's a like, almost like the, the, the sweatshirt is such a loud green goal, bowler. There's, yeah. a, there's like a reflection. Reflecting up onto yeah. his face. And then you have the cap that kind of deflects it down. Right. He, yeah, he looks yeah. like he's seasick. Yeah. So, so bowler, I mean, I've always, I've always been an advocate for world, world. Peas, yeah. But um, <laughs> peas. <laughs> At least you're jumping in on the joke. So he, your your world. You're, it's it's the green of of peace, right? World peace. Yeah, I guess. I uh, but I, it really was a uh, it was a wardrobe mistake. Really, what it was. Is it a malfunction, Jake, or is it is it a, no, no, no no malfunction? Thank, thank goodness everything is functioning, Bowler. Bowler, do you ca- do you care to comment on the Super Bowl halftime show? I just love the game. There you go. Yeah, and the outcome. Um, I did kind of. I did check out halftime. Um, great dancing, by the way. So that's all. That's all I, Skilled. That's all I can say. Skilled. Great choreography. Yeah. Re- yeah. Great choreography. I thought they were very. It was on time. They were very. Uh, yeah. They they danced well. <laughs> it was on time. <laughs> it was yeah. on time. The hips time. did not lie. Yeah. They no, did not. No. Mm-hmm. No. no I mean, for some, it was lie. entertaining. For others, uh, it was not. And uh, I guess if you could get to the off button for some, it was great. If you kept it on, it was great for others. It just just depends on on what you were looking for at the halftime. But two talented ladies, obviously, and um, it was a very, a very energetic halftime. And so. an energetic fourth quarter. Those final seven minutes, that's all that counts yeah, to me. set the stage. Well, yeah, it did. Yeah, maybe it did set the stage for the final seven minutes. Absolutely. Well, Bull- But I know that Kansas City uh, is, is, is excited. I got some buddies taking the day off to go down for the parade, and uh, it's, it's going to be great. And I hope one day, honestly, and I, I think Jazz Nation is – is um, prepared, hungry once again for a run if, if the Jazz can find their way. Uh, but there's a lot of, uh, you know, you got to go through some pretty good teams to, to make it to that level. And so, uh, you know, these next five will tell us a, a lot, I think, before the All-Star break. Well, we're glad you're riding high, Bowler. Keep it up, and we'll see you at uh, right here at the arena, uh, arena tomorrow. All right, guys. Great talking to you. See you soon. See you, Bowler. Thanks, Bowler. Craig Bowler, Jack, joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I like the the kazoo comparison. <laughs> Did you the the great kazoo? Yeah, I I tweeted out a meme. You could you could see how you stack up. Okay, <clears throat> I can take it. 
you have done a good job all day. And you even made a peas joke in there, Gordon. Uh, I got that. That was good. You, you jumped on get, board. You didn't get it first. I got it. You hesitated. Well, it wasn't a good joke. <laughs> <laughs> but but it was a joke. Yeah. World. Peas. World. Yeah, we got it. You get that? W-H-I-R-L? I still get it. Yeah. A world? No, I didn't get a world. Like W-H-I-R-L-E-D. World. Like world peas. Is that a thing? World peas? Yeah, you can world your peas. I was just thinking peas. You've never never world your peas? That's not a saying, world peas. You can world peas. You world them. It's a world peas. Literally no one picked up on that. Yes, they did. No way. Austin did. No, not a chance. We we got the peas part because well, peas. Why would I say peas world are peas. green? World, like whirling peas. Yes, like the tilt a whirl, but peas. <laughs> oh man! If you don't get it, you don't get it. it. Just makes it that much funnier for everybody who did get it. Hmm. All right. Well, I'm more coming up next. It is the big show. Stay tuned. I really regret this. 97.5 and 1280 the song. There's a cold wind blowing, blowing through my bones, far away from where it's made. Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 the zone. Want to remind you to uh, listen tomorrow. On a win ticket Wednesday, Gordon, we do it every Wednesday, give away tickets, and uh, you'll have uh, your chance to win tickets to go see Journey. They're going to be out on the road next summer with the Pretenders on an extensive North American tour featuring all new production and hits from start to finish. Your chance to see them live is May 21st at USANA Amphitheater. Tickets on sale now. Purchase your tickets at LiveNation.com or simply be listening to The Zone tomorrow. We'll give away a pair of tickets each and every show. All right, Jake. So Eric Walden uh, tweeted out the All-Star Weekend event participants, and there are no jazz players involved in any of the side competitions. Uh, Is that troubling to anybody around here? Some people might think Joe Ingles or Bogdanovich in a three-point shooting. Joe told Zach Lowe when he did his podcast that he pretty much didn't want to do it out of spite. So if they if they asked him, he thought two years ago they would have asked him, and then or maybe it was three. It was when he first really burst onto the scene. So I guess that would have been probably three years ago. And then he thought the next year they'd ask him for sure, and they didn't. And I guess ever since he's kind of been like, meh, Hmm. I don't want to do it anyway. Uh, Did anybody around here care? Eh, People probably wouldn't mind seeing Donovan in the dunk contest again. But he don't want to. He don't want to do that now. He's an all-star. I I personally uh, wish the all-stars would participate in more of the weekend's activities. That's just me. I think it used to mean something when, you know, the best of yeah. the best actually participated. You know, the, all the legends like, like Larry Bird walking in and say, okay, who's finishing second? Yeah. You know, all that stuff is just basically non-existent anymore. So. Well, if you're going to have the contest, wouldn't you rather see the best? Yeah, but because they don't want to do it. That makes it that much more amazing what they're capable of doing. Yeah. But you're right. They don't want it. All right, Gordon, you have a column up, sltrib.com. I'm assuming it's going to be in the paper tomorrow, the physical paper tomorrow. Yes. Headlined, the Jazz must win together on defense or they'll lose separately. 
And, um, of course, we've talked a lot about it on this show, right? The, the perimeter defense has been a big issue uh, over the last four games. And it was a big topic of conversation at practice today. And I wanted you to hear Joe Ingles' comments. I want to get your reaction to what he had to say because uh, Andy Larson asked him directly about it. First question right out of the gate. And I thought his answer was interesting. Um, I mean, it's obviously been nice for us to get in the gym again and um, – I think I spoke about it earlier in the year when we went through that patch of not getting a practice and um, <clears throat> as great as games are, it, it is nice to practice sometimes and um, I think the way teams have been playing, like small ball and um, that different kind of style, it's been nice for us to get out here and um, just work on some things that are, are hard to work on or, or just by watching film. It's um, it's great to watch film, but sometimes it's nice to actually go through it five and five and actually get a, a bit more of a feel. So um, it's obviously something we needed to, to improve and work on. And um, yeah, like I said, it's been nice to be here for a couple of days and get some work in. They're seeing stuff they're not used to, Gordon, and they need time to work on how to adjust to it. Do you think practice is more important for some teams than others? Yes, I do. Because the Jazz are so technical at the offensive end, and at the defensive end, it sounds like that's what they need as well, coordination, whereas if you're just physically dominant, you can go out and (laughs) dominate, and the Jazz can't do that. And they have players, you know, whether you like it or not, they're still trying to get Mike Conley acclimated. That's happening. And, uh, you know, I, it's, it's stuff that practice benefits. I was actually surprised they practiced today. I wasn't surprised that they practiced yesterday. I was, I was a little surprised they practiced today. And I think the fact that they did tells you what you need to know. They need it. They, they need to practice. They need to work on those things. And you, you can see that since that, really since the Dallas game, but most notably the Houston game, teams are playing the Jazz differently, and they need to figure it out. They haven't played a whole lot of ISO teams this year. Certainly that stretch in December and January where they were blowing through teams, they weren't facing these teams that just want to isolate the Jazz and beat them on the perimeter. Now they're, they're facing these better coached, better teams that know how to kind of game plan against it, and they got to get it figured out, and then that's what practice is for. And the word is out on the Jazz. Yep. Teams know this, so they're making adjustments themselves to try and take advantage of it. Boy, for a second there, when you first started on that bit of monologue there, you sounded a lot like Trey Lyles. What, the five-hour practices or whatever he complained about, three-hour practices? No, 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 I, I'm saying... <laughs> no, like, no, you said, you followed that up with you think that was necessary, but at first you said you were surprised that they practiced. No, I was. I mean, this late in the season, when you have two days off in a row, and I realized that uh, that they haven't played since Saturday, so Sunday was kind of a day off, but this point in the season where guys are tired and you're just counting down to the all-star break i mean having two practices right in a row i was just surprised like, and i've I don't seen know. them take today off yeah you and i weren't there and so we don't know how rigorous it was uh, i'll tell you it lasted a little over an hour okay well it was it sounds like there was a lot of instruction going on now yesterday they didn't have any media availability because of the winter or the winter the weather the winter and the weather the winter weather um, I would guess that one was a little bit more. Get after it. Get after it, right? And and today was probably a little bit more tightening stuff up. But it it honestly, I mean, Rudy mentioned it. Joe mentioned it. You heard him there. Quinn Snyder mentioned it. The the practice time was valuable. They needed the practice time to figure out this stuff. The the exact stuff that you wrote about because they're they're in trouble if they don't figure it so out. So the questions are: What can the Jazz do about it? And their answer to that is better communication. And positioning themselves better and on time. 
That's what I'm getting from everybody, right? Because you can't get quicker. You can't get taller. All you can do is communicate better and help one another out better. It's the it's the whole play defense on a string. I mean, that's how they're that's how they're going to have to do it. And Tim Lacombe had a funny anecdote the other day that Rick Majerus actually used to bring string and tie his <laughs> players together at practice. But I mean, that's that's the answer. And if you think back to some of those Majerus U teams, that's how they did it. They weren't overly athletic, but they had to play that team defense to to, and they were one of the best defensive teams in the country at certain times. So I mean, that's. That's how it's going to be. They don't have a Kawhi Leonard. Um, I, I'm higher on Royce O'Neal than you are, but I, I still recognize that he's not that. He might be their best on-ball defender, but he's not Kawhi Leonard. He's not, you know, um, I mean, he's probably not in the top 20 of on-ball defenders in the NBA right now. And so they just don't have they don't have that guy. And especially if they're going to start Mike Conley and Joe Ingles together, they got to figure it out. Yes. They have to. Because That's a great point. And uh, this is why they wanted to bring Joe Ingles off the bench, by the way, on both sides of the ball. Because they is wanted that, is somebody. That why, that came... Or did they want somebody to work with that second unit that would be able to uh, it, spark it offensively? It's, it's the same thing. But you, he's got to have the ball in his hands to initiate things. That's, that's when Joe's at his best. I mean, he can be. PK was talking about this morning. He was right on the money. He can be stand in the corner guy. If, if you want him to be, but that's not using Joe to his fullest extent. He needs to be playing the pick and roll and specifically needs to be playing it with Rudy. And when he's on the floor with Donovan and Mike Conley, that's three guys that are playmakers. Yes, I mean, that there's, there's not enough basketball to go around for those, <laughs> those three guys. And I think So is it redundant then to have them on the floor together yes, at the same time? Yes, and that's so, why I think they wanted to bring him off the bench. But you can say the same thing about any one of those players alongside Donovan Mitchell in the fourth quarter. I agree. Because he's the one doing the initiating typically in the fourth quarter. Correct. So the other guy's sort of peripheral. And that's why you've seen Royce O'Neal still finish games. Hmm. It's interesting. It's an interesting puzzle to put together. Because when you <laughs> I, I know, I'm of the opinion that you can't have too many good offensive weapons on the floor at the same time. Oh, I don't agree with that. You don't? Uh-uh. Well, I think that was... Well, after what we saw, the Jazz against the Rockets last year in the playoffs, it was one of those situations where there weren't enough of them. That's that's a fair criticism, but I think there can be two. I think that was the problem with the Boston Celtics last year. I know we made a little rap song out of DJ's opinion, but he was still right on the money. But not, think of the greatest... Not enough shots to go around for th- all the shooters. Think of the, <laughs> That's right, we did. It's true. Yeah, think about, though, the great teams of the past. Uh, think of the Boston Celtics with Larry Bird and Kevin McHale and Robert Parrish and Danny Ainge and... Uh, well, Danny and, came and, off the bench for the most part, right? No, he didn't. I mean, he was starting then. At uh, 85-86 season, he was a starter, Dennis Johnson. Yeah, but the, the Bulls had Ron Harper and Luke Longley that didn't need to take shots, you know? Too many shooters, too many shots. And Rodman, for shots that matter. For all the shooters. Shooters, yeah. shooters. Think about so, the, the great Lakers teams, though. Too many shooters. That, that was loaded up with terrific offenses. Well, Magic was not a shooter. Well, he was shots offensive. Shots he was the shooters. opposite of shooters. He was offensive. He, as was Wayne. He had Byron the, Scott he and had the uh, James Worthy. Of and, Dwight Howard. What? I'm, I'm, yes. If you want to slim it down to just shooters, that was not my point. It was... Offensive forces. Hmm. 
You got to play some defense, though. That's, that's obvious. But and you guys should be to able fit. to be coordinated at both ends. No, I mean, the truth is, if you take the ball out of a player like Mike Conley's hands, he's not nearly as good. So if you have too many guys that re- require the ball like that, then somebody has to take a step back. So I, I don't agree with your you can never have too much offense on the floor. I don't agree with that. Mm. I'm not coming along, buddy, bo- buddy se- boy. It seems to me like you should be able to uh, coordinate it so that it can be effective. Maybe Mike Conley should initiate the offense. Well, then why can't Mike Conley and Joe Ingles be good at the same time? It seems to me like the ball should be able to sw- be swung around and bring it back to Joe for an open shot. That, that seems like that would be an advantage, would it not? Except for we're not talking about Joe taking open corner shots. We're talking about Joe and his uh, pick and roll with Rudy yeah. and his fancy fake pass and all this stuff that he does when he initiates the offense. So are you saying that Royce O'Neal should be a starter? Mm, I, I've told you all along that I liked the concept of Joe Ingles coming off the bench, and I still do. But Joe is better with better players on the floor. I hate that argument. But it's true. Um, it's not true right now. Well, if I told you who told me that, I get it. Comes I just some authority. which is fine. People can make that argument. I just don't like that argument. Okay. Right. I I think Joe should be good enough to be impactful uh, in a variety of different lineups. Now I do buy into play Joe and Rudy more together because they're the most connected on the pick and roll. There's, that's very difficult to argue. So, I mean, I guess I'm kind of buying into what you're saying, but I, I don't, I don't buy that Joe has to start to be effective. I just don't. I still like the concept of bringing him off the bench. I do. All right. Well, we'll see if that ever happens. Stay tuned. More big show next. 97.5 and 1280 the zone. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Ken Pomeroy joins us right here. BYU, how legitimate do you think they are as a big dance contender? It's only a tournament basketball team. I have them rated 18th, and I don't know if they are that good. Like, you sort of look at the ratings, and they're, like, rated ahead of every SEC team, and it feels like I don't think BYU would win the SEC, but I do think they're an underrated team nationally. They've been pretty consistent, really, except for that Gonzaga game where they got completely destroyed, and that was without Yoey's. Generally speaking, I think they're on a good path here to not just getting to the tournament, but, you know, hopefully winning a game when they get there. But you would agree that BYU basketball has a better chance of winning the SEC than BYU football, right? That's a great observation, (laughs) Austin. You're absolutely right. That's what I'm here for, yeah. Tony Parks and Austin Horton, weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Overblown. Yeah, the winds, they missed their mark. They were traveling through the dark behind a storm. Overblown. They made it to the coast, and some came out and drove them out of Texas. From up atop a vast mountain range, great and wide. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us part of your day. What are you doing after the show today, Gordon? You going to go home and eat some asparagus? <laughs> I was thinking green beans, maybe. He's more of a celery dipped in peanut butter guy. Maybe an artichoke. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh yeah, that's also some jalapeno good. poppers. Yeah, right. Some lima beans, <laughs> sweet pickles. <laughs> oh man, Gordon's been nice enough to let us tease him about his. Outfit How about a, a, a green olive? Maybe grapes. Oh yeah, I like the grape. Yeah. So you said something earlier in the show, though. I've got to ask you about. You said Lettuce? if if Lisa would have seen you, she wouldn't have let you out the door. Yeah. So I want to know what outfits Lisa has said no to over the years. Because you've come into studio looking fairly raggedy some days. 
So what has Lisa rejected? Oh, I ask her opinion every once in a while, and she guides me a little bit. Were you coming in in some jean cutoffs or something, and she was like, nope? No, interestingly enough, one time I asked her, it was this sweatshirt, and I had that green hat that I have worn before that you like. Uh Uh-huh. And she said that was too much green. Too much green. It's kind of like today. Okay. So I didn't ask her opinion. You didn't. She would have said that. You didn't remember that, huh? Yeah, she would have had me, you know, mixing it up a little bit because she doesn't like all that monolithic look. Well, you 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 have mentioned you look like grass in the past on this show, and you look like a blade of grass today. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm a sucker for grass, the kind that you that horses eat. Uh, by the way, I'm not judging the horses. <laughs> were you bummed uh, Tony Finau barely lost out? Yeah, that was... Speaking of uh, playing golf on the grass. Yeah, he was uh, so close and qu- couldn't quite get it done. Couldn't hit enough greens. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, apparently not. It's amazing how good he's gotten. He is one of the best ball strikers around. He's got a ton of personality. He's perfect for the for the tour. It's cool. Did I remember I read, when he was a greenie on the tour. It wasn't as good. Did I, did I read somewhere that he's moved to Arizona? I I read that very same thing. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, he's he's doing what Austin wants to do, essentially. I wouldn't. I would Get never. Las Cruces. <clears throat> yeah, but and it no, still snows Las in Las Cruces. Cruces. Two work. inches a year. We got yeah. two inches a minute the other day here. So you're still circling in on uh, Las Cruces? It's better than here. I'm right telling now. you. I, check into Casa Grande. I think that that is might be your speed. I, it is the Satan's oven in the summertime. Yeah, but I thought you were coming back here in the summer. Yeah, maybe. If you're good. Hmm. All right. I wonder if there's a radio station in Casa Grande you could work at part-time. Or full-time, part-time. Yeah, 96.5 The Frog. (laughs) You and I can both go down there. I kind of like frogs. I can tell. I think you just like anything green. Not today. Not anymore. What? I've had my fill. What's your color tomorrow? Blue. I'll you do go blue. with blue? I think you should Maybe. go with something louder, like orange. <laughs> I do have some orange. You should go with some orange. Nah, I don't know. All right. How we'll about see. that orange Dewey sweatshirt? Yeah, I do have that. The, the circus peanut one. <laughs> yeah, that's not even really all that orange. How would he find something to match that? He wouldn't. <laughs> gotta... That doesn't seem to be a problem. <laughs> all right. We'll have uh, more of the I'm big show. show up looking like a traffic barrel. Coming up next, Jake's, uh, Jake Scott, the great gazoo. Right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. This eight-year-old Swedish girl in a lake in Sweden stepped on something in this lake. She pulled it up, and it was a thousand-year-old Viking sword. If you found something that was a thousand years old and priceless, like, do you call authorities or... Are you going to keep this? I mean, is this no, yours now? No, no, this was taken from her. The only thing she's going to get is recognition well, then, that she found it. If I ever find a dinosaur bone that's rare, I'm just going to keep it. The last thing I want is somebody marching into my front room declaring prima nocta on that thing and taking it. Prima nocta? Yeah, it's an old saying when you could come in and take anything you wanted. Oh, yeah? That's nice. Well done by you. You keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to 3. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network.
wrapping up a big show. <laughs> 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. <laughs> it's been a fun day. <laughs> it's fun. It's been it's been fun. You know what? You've been a good sport today. You know that you you've been a good sport today. We've been teasing you about your outfit, and and you've laughed right along with us. We appreciate it, Gordon. Well, I really don't have much choice, but uh, it was my own fault. I mean, I'm the one that chose what I wore. There's a new meeting to green sleeves today on the big show. <laughs> if 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 it bothered you, the Austin I like and I song. would yeah. have laid off. You like the song about decapitating Wait, people? No, 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 no. I was saying if, if we were hurting Gordon's feelings oh. and he told us, we would not have continued to tease Gordon. Did it hurt your feelings, Gordon? No. Well, then here I've got 17 more to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's been it's been fun. I think you know some some sports fans out there, jazz fans, little you know, a little bummed maybe down in the dumps, four game losing streak. You know, some really tough games on the horizon, a lot of unsurety out there. I'm just glad that we can all rally around Gordon's green outfit and and you know, yeah. really everybody get a good wear, show. Everybody wear green tomorrow. Nobody anywhere has ever dressed up uh, more accurately as Easter basket grass than Gordon did today. See, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to keep this going all week. I'm going tomorrow blue. Tomorrow's going to be blue. Yes. And then maybe the day after that, red. Then maybe the day, who knows what I might do. I just got a tweet uh, from somebody because I was comparing you to the Great Gazoo, and I said it was from the Flintstones. Somebody said it was from the Jetsons. Yeah, I think there's crossover there. Is there crossover? They're both Hanna Barbera. I'm 99 percent sure it was started with the Flintstones. How? Why would Why would the Green Gazoo show up? The Great Gazoo, whatever it is. Why would they show up in the Flintstones thing? Because that's not realistic. He was an alien, and it was the Flintstones. It was. Yes. The Great Gazoo, or simply Gazoo, is a fictional character from the Flintstones animated series. Okay. He was voiced by actor Harvey uh, Corman. Oh, all right. Huh. Yeah, Harvey. You know who Harvey Corman is, don't you? No. Who's Harvey Corman? He was, he was an actor the, and comedian. The voice of the Great Gazoo. Well, yeah. Gordon, hop in the green horn and head home, will you? <laughs> I don't think I've ever had a green car. Let me think for a second. No, I don't think I have. No? Maybe. They haven't? You've spent enough greenbacks on cars over the years. Didn't you just say it ain't easy being green? <laughs> Isn't that a song? Yeah, it is. It is? Uh, Kermit the Frog. Yeah. Oh. Our, our guy. Sing it, Austin. I don't know that song. I know the Rainbow Connection. All right, just sing that one. Why are there so many songs about rainbows? And what's on the other side? That's all you get. The Great Gazoo uh, was first uh, first appeared on the Flintstones October 29th, 1965. Hmm. Okay. Gordon was uh, just entering middle age. <laughs> Wrigley's gum was invented, I much to, like Gordon's outfit. I, I did watch the Flintstones. Oh, the younger. Flintstones were great. I watched the Flintstones. Then the, I ate their cereal. Do kids still watch the Flintstones? They should. When did you watch the Flintstones? I don't know. I on. did as well. It was I on like every morning. Yeah. Hmm. All right. You don't own the Flintstones, Boomer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> boomer. <laughs> we can enjoy the Flintstones, too. Yeah. All right, Gordo. Seriously, a lot of fun today. Uh, I'll see you tomorrow. we got a game day tomorrow. We do. It's in town. We'll talk it's, all about it. Yeah, and that's a great opponent for a rematch for the Jazz to see if they can get off the schneid and get back to what they were doing before. All right. We'll talk to you tomorrow on the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.